TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Good morning. Good Sunday morning. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for the next two hours. And we could just spend the next two hours talking about... uh, my last 24 hours, but we'll uh, we'll do that tomorrow. We have a lot on the table. A lot happened this week. A lot happening right now in politics. So without me talking, let's talk to the people that know best. And we're going to start with Congressman Brian Higgins. Congressman Higgins, thank you for joining me this morning. Good to be with you, Joe. Uh, Congressman, before we get to uh, why I had you on, you know, we're seeing a deteriorating um situation in Afghanistan. Uh, I just want to know what is the plan from... Your perspective from the Washington, D.C. perspective about handling the Taliban insurgents. Well, I just got off the phone with the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, and uh, also the military personnel that's uh, responsible for the evacuation of uh, folks at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. Um, So first and foremost, uh, that is going on. Uh, The Secretary of State made very clear that any actions taken against Americans will be retaliated against. And uh, this is a situation that uh, there's 34 provinces uh, in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, The capital city is Kabul. Uh, The Taliban is now taking control of 20 provinces and is about to it's surrounding uh the, the capital city of kabul as well so it's a it's a difficult situation uh it's uh, obviously escalating and uh, we just want to make sure that american personnel that's assigned to the embassy and the allies uh the afghan people they've helped uh u.s military as interpreters as drivers of, of those very very important roles that uh that they get out of there as well because they too will be targeted by the taliban so the American, uh, our goal now is not to push off the Taliban. It's to get all those people out, the Americans, and as you said, the translators as well? At this point, but concurrently, there are negotiations. There's two arms of the Taliban. One is the military and the other is the political. And there are negotiations ongoing relative to uh, getting some kind of, of an agreement here. You know, the United States, as you know, has been in uh, – Afghanistan for 20 years. It's it's the Taliban that the United States Special Forces took out uh, in in 2001, right after the attacks on 9/11. Uh, the situation has been bad there, and you know we spent a lot of money. 7,000 U.S. soldiers were killed in both Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, and uh, it's a bad situation. So uh, there are a number of things occurring all at the same time, but the safety of our personnel at the U.S. Embassy in in Kabul is most important at the moment, and concurrently there are negotiations uh, ongoing. But it's a bad situation. 
Now, back here this week, Congressman, as uh, we've been talking about, uh, Governor Cuomo announced his resignation. Uh, So a week from Tuesday, he will leave the governor's mansion and Buffalo's own Kathy Hochul will take over. First, what did you think of the governor resigning? And secondly, what do you think of our new governor, Kathy Hochul? Well, in 10 days, Kathy Hochul will be governor of New York State. Uh, She is motivated by big challenges. She's inspired by good people and good ideas. Uh, She will be an outstanding governor. I like the fact that she's going to have 10 months uh, to serve as governor before the next election. This will give everybody in the state the opportunity to know what we know in Western New York. And Kathy Hochul is smart. She's tenacious. Uh, She's kind. She's compassionate. Uh, But she has served in many levels of government that have prepared her uh, for this opportunity. And obviously, it's a great thing for Buffalo and Western New York. I know that we have had governors uh, from the Buffalo area, Grover Cleveland in particular. But Grover Cleveland was born in New Jersey, and he died in New Jersey. Kathy Hochul is born and bred in Buffalo and Western New York. She's a proven Uh, effective, compassionate uh, public servant, and I think she will serve uh, the interests of New York State very well and the interests of Buffalo and and Western New York very well. Congressman, as a New Yorker, what do you think of the Assembly uh, suspending the investigation into Governor Cuomo? Well, uh, Joe, there are other issues that need to be investigated, but the impeachment investigation is to uh, has one goal, and that's to remove the governor from office. So he resigns, and and the assembly, you know, will continue to refer things to uh, you know legal entities as they warrant investigation. So while the impeachment, which has one goal, and that is to remove uh, the individual from office, uh, he has called for a suspension of that or an end of that. Uh, the investigation will 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 be ongoing. There's a number of issues, as you know. Uh, that will be referred uh, for uh, further legal action. So while the process for the removal is is ending because he will be removed in 10 days, uh, the investigation will, in fact, continue. And as you said, a lot of things will be facing Kathy Hochul right from day one on August 24th. Uh, the first thing that I think we'll, she'll have to address, and I want to know uh, what you think, is uh, schools. You know, schools are coming back the Tuesday after Labor Day, and right now there are just guidelines from the state. Um, would you urge Kathy Hochul to make those more permanent laws for going back to school? I think what Kathy Hochul should do is what she will do, and that is follow the advice of, of public health experts. Uh, she's very smart. She is collecting information as we speak about all of these issues uh, relative to the return to school, relative to getting at New York State back to you know, pre-pandemic activity. That is a big, big challenge, as you know. But here's what I do know. Uh, Kathy is not ideological. She is commonsensical, and she will uh, collect uh, the best information that's available and make decisions based on science and the fact. And those who you know, have a level of, of expertise here. You know, unfortunately, uh, this Delta variant has, has set us back a bit. The good thing is we still have vaccines that are very, very potent against uh, this disease and keeping people from being severely uh, uh, sick 
hospitalization and death. And uh, so the question is, what do we have to do to move forward in order to return uh, to a sense of normalcy, which all of us want to do, schools, work, uh, concerts, and, and you know, getting out to, to restaurants and the like. Uh, so I, I know that Kathy is focused on this. I spoke with her on Friday, and uh, I'm, I'm very, very confident that she will make a good uh, common sense decision that's just based on, you know, the, the, the use of uh, the smart use of good information uh, as it relates to keeping our people safe. And I would just, you know, urge people, please, if you're not vaccinated, consider, consider getting vaccinated. Do it for yourself, but do it for your family and your neighbors. And this is, as I said, very, very strong protection against uh, severe illness. And uh, these clinical trials, uh, have been have been they're very rigorous and they they test for two things one is safety and the other is effectiveness and uh, these vaccines that have been uh, approved for emergency use and hopefully will be approved more generally by the FDA in the next uh, several days I think is is very very important it has saved lives and it has saved uh, the American economy from having to endure. Uh, another year of, of, you know, severe illness and, 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 and hospitalization and death. Speaking of the vaccine, you know, we're seeing those numbers kind of stagger right now uh, nationwide. Uh, what do you think should be, if any, the next move from the federal government uh, to, to urge or to get more people vaccinated? Well, open the border, <laughs> open the border and and, you know, require that people be vaccinated. That's an incentive uh, for people that that may not be vaccinated now uh, provide better information. People have been have been overwrought with with information, some of it conflicting, which has caused a lot of confusion. And we've talked about this before. This vaccine and the technology, the messenger RNA uh, is 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 very, very strong uh, medicine uh, against uh, COVID. And uh, these, uh, these, the greatest, probably the greatest biomedical advancement in the past hundred years has been the MRA uh, technology to develop uh, vaccines. And uh, the MR, messenger RNA is the stuff that tells a cell to make a protein, which is the active ingredient uh, in the vaccine. And when, you know, when biomedical researchers went into this uh, early in the pandemic, uh, they were hoping to achieve uh, 60%, 70% efficacy. Uh, These vaccines are 90, 95%. And that's why public health officials are still encouraging people to Get vaccinated because even when you take into consideration the Delta variant, which is the same virus, but it's it's much more contagious, uh, you still have strong immunity against both giving COVID and getting COVID. And now, you know, uh, people are advising uh, the wearing of masks again, which is further protection. So if you're fully vaccinated, if you wear a mask and you're just smart about this, you should be able to keep yourself safe. You should be able to keep your family safe. You should be able to keep, you know, your friends safe. And we're all in this together. This is a highly infectious, contagious disease. But keep in mind, if the virus can't penetrate a cell, uh, it's harmless. And that's what the vaccine does. It triggers an immune response that neutralizes or kills the virus before it can penetrate a cell. And only then, uh, after it penetrates a cell, can it become uh, an infection and, and, and therefore trouble for individuals uh, that are infected.
Congressman, I know I asked you this question a few months ago, but now we are seeing it in action in New York City. So I want to know, do you support a more federal mandate when it comes to vaccinations to get into certain businesses like we are going to see in New York City next month? Well, I think individual businesses and, and, and school districts, you know, they're going to have to make these decisions uh, that are in the best interest of their people. So I, I think it's, it's, it's about making sure that there are vaccines available. And the good thing is we have a surplus of vaccines, uh, and a lot of those vaccines are being discarded as medical waste because they're not being used. Uh, I think that uh, that uh, individual entities of the economy are in a, a best position to make decisions about whether or not uh, you know their, their people should be required uh, to be vaccinated. But I think the federal government's role here, most important role, A, is making sure that there are enough vaccines for everybody that wants one. Uh, and two, uh, from public health officials, federal public health, health officials, the Centers for Disease, control and prevention. Get a clear, concise, understandable uh, narrative about these vaccines, about variants, about future variants. All viruses, all viruses mutate. And this is this is no different. So I, I think getting good information and making sure that uh, all of these uh, aspects or, or, or components of the, of, of the economy, businesses and schools, uh, you know, from from uh, grammar schools through, you know, colleges have good information and good resources from which to uh, provide guidance to people that, 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 you know, are dependent on those institutions. Congressman, before we let you go, we saw the uh, the infrastructure bill pass in Senate, a bipartisan vote in Senate, which is kind of surprising. Uh, now, what is the House's move when it comes to this bill? Well, to make it better, you know, Joe, keep in mind that the American Society for Civil Engineers has said repeatedly, they do a report every year, that in order to bring the American infrastructure to a good state of repair, you need to spend more than $4 trillion. The Biden administration uh, proposed $2.2 trillion, and the so-called bipartisan agreement uh, proposes $1 trillion. They're going in the wrong direction. Uh, the fact of the matter is uh, we should be spending $4 trillion on infrastructure. And unlike other activity, like tax cuts for corporations, the infrastructure bill has what economists refer to as a multiplier effect. So for every dollar that you spend, you produce three to four dollars in economic activity that otherwise wouldn't occur. Give an example. When we did Ohio Street with $11 million in federal money, it was an old broken industrial waterway, roadway with a lot of property surrounding it, including the Buffalo River. And for every dollar that we spent on Ohio Street, $7 in private sector economic investment followed. And that was not coincidental. That is a cause and effect relationship. And it's been studied by the University of Chicago, Standard & Poor's, chief economists, et cetera. And they have all drawn the same conclusion. For every dollar that you invest in infrastructure, you produce three or $4 at least in economic growth that otherwise wouldn't occur. So it's good for the good that it does, but it's also good for the growth of the American economy. So this bill will go to the House. You guys will make the changes, and then it'll get sent back to uh, Senate for another vote? 
Yeah, there'll be a. It's called a, a, a reconciliation process. We'll we'll resolve the differences be, between the two bills if they exist. I'm sure that we will have changes. I don't know how dramatically uh, uh, th- th- those changes will affect you know the 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 bill that was passed in the Senate. But uh, then both houses will vote on it again, and then it will be sent to the president for his signature. So we have to approve what's referred to as same as. Uh, language uh, in both the House and the Senate. And that process, we should get that completed within the next two weeks so that we can begin, you know, rebuilding, uh, you know, the infrastructure of Buffalo and Western New York and and that of the nation and put people to work. Congressman Higgins, I know it's been a uh, busy Sunday morning for you. I'm glad you uh, were able to join us this morning. Happy to be with you. Thanks. That is Congressman Brian Higgins joining us on a plethora of things, and that is the direction the show is going in today. We are going to talk about the big news. Um, Just a little programming note. Hardline was not supposed to be on this week, but uh, the week we had with Kathy Hochul um, now going to take over in 10 days as governor, Buffalo's own Kathy Hochul. We wanted reaction on that. And then we see the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan and obviously the infrastructure bill as well. Three big things happening, um, not only locally, but nationwide. And uh, thought we would get some guests to talk about those with you. I'm very happy that Congressman Higgins was able to join us right after, as he mentioned, um, he had a call about what is going on, the situation in Afghanistan. And as if you are just joining us, um, the goal right now of the U.S. is to get Americans out of Afghanistan, to clear the embassy, to get translators, to get people who helped over the last 20 years, the American soldiers, to get them out of Afghanistan. That is the goal of the military now. That is why we saw troops sent in, to get those people safely out of Afghanistan. Um, Obviously, a deteriorating, I'm having trouble with that word this morning, a deteriorating situation in Afghanistan, and we will have you updated at the top and bottom of every hour right here on News Radio 930 WBEM. When we come back, we are talking to Hamburg Supervisor Jim Shaw on Hardline. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN with you here till noon on a Sunday. Hope everyone's having a nice morning. Beautiful day outside. Yesterday was a beautiful day as well. And uh, a week of politics it was. And here in New York State, uh, really leading the uh, national headlines, Kathy Hochul, Buffalo's own, will be taking over in 10 days as governor. And to talk a little bit about that is current Hamburg supervisor, Jim Shaw. Jim, thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you very much. Hey, Jim, uh, you know, we all uh, know Kathy from, you know, her appearances in the media here, uh, being in Congress uh, about a decade back, being our lieutenant governor. What can you tell us about the incoming governor, Kathy Hochul? Well, she has risen 
to every challenge that was presented to her in her long legal and political career. Uh, she has an ability to uh, get along with people and to listen uh, very attentively to opposing points of view. Uh, the hallmark of good leadership is to attempt to understand issues, and she is expert at uh, uh, deriving people's uh, opinions and synthesizing them into a, a plan of action. She has great skills in that regard. What would you say of, not that this is going to be too much of an issue, uh, taking over in New York where the Democrats have the Assembly and the State Senate, but what would you say, because I think we saw it, saw it here when she ran for Congress, about her ability to work across the aisle with members of the other party? Well, uh, the ability to work across the aisle requires a degree of humility and respect for political institutions. We are supposed to have a balanced government where the legislature has a meaningful role to play. In the last uh, several years, the legislature's role has been diminished significantly. And I think Kathy appreciates the need for uh, a balance in state government and a very careful approach to identifying problems and then taking concrete steps to solve them. And, you know, as we're seeing the end of Governor Cuomo's uh, reign as governor, uh, what do you think her how she'll be uh, as governor different when it comes to setting policies, addressing the state? How do you see her differ from Governor Andrew Cuomo? Well, I I think uh, she'll be more of a consensus builder Uh, to implement uh, policies. You need public support Uh, too often. Uh, as the critics of, the, of Governor Cuomo have pointed out, uh, he took a ramrod approach, a my way or the highway uh, approach to uh, governing. And I think that uh, Kathy's approach is going to try to be to reach consensus around issues that are pretty fundamental. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the declining statewide population, uh, endemic uh, taxing structures that uh, uh, cripple growth. So she's got to uh, strike, I think, a, a balance. And there are geographic and ethnic and uh, all kinds of uh, differences to be reconciled in this complicated state. But she has the tools to do it. You know, Jim, as a Democrat yourself, as an upstate New York Democrat, you know, obviously when Kathy runs for reelection, she will have to appeal to downstate, to New York City. Um, what would your advice be to her to appeal to those New York City Democrat voters? Well, she's going to have to first the first thing she has to do is uh, pick a lieutenant governor uh, who comes from downstate, uh, most likely gender balance. Uh, ethnic and political balance, so someone on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, someone from downstate, uh, a male, uh, perhaps a person of color. That's the first thing she has to do. And then she has to demonstrate that she can build a constructive relationship uh, with city government in the five boroughs. Cuomo and de Blasio had a acrimonious relationship. Uh, Kathy will have to strike I think, a uh, constructive relationship uh, with the incoming mayor of the city of New York. That's going to be very important to stabilize 
political support for her down there. Yeah, a lot happening uh, this year where, you know, uh, in 10 days, Kathy Hochul will take over. New York is getting a, a new mayor. A lot of uh, changes to the political uh, landscape here in the state of New York. Uh, another thing, Jim, I wanted to ask you before uh, before our time is up today, uh, you as the uh, supervisor of Hamburg, we got the new census numbers and saw a spike in population here in Erie County. Were you surprised to see that? Well, I, I thought I thought we would be neutral. Uh, but we did have a spike, and that's what, what that indicates is that people from rural communities are moving to a uh, metropolitan county like Erie, and we've also attracted uh, uh, population growth as a result of the pandemic. Uh, since pe- workers can work remotely, uh, there is a, a migration, a subtle migration to regions of the country that are more af- that offer more affordable housing. We're also uh, ideally positioned in the wake of uh, climate change in the long run to be an area of the country that's very, very attractive. So uh, all of those things are encouraging for Western New York. Uh, your situation in in Hamburg when it comes to the vaccine, you know, we're seeing vaccine numbers throughout the state kind of plateau right now. Um, how are the vac- how are the vaccine numbers in the town of Hamburg? Well, from what I'm told. We have approximately a 53% vaccination rate. That's not enough. Uh, And uh, we have to, as a society, depoliticize vaccinations. And we have to treat this crisis as we treated the 9-11 crisis 20 years ago. It should be a rallying cry to bring all people together. The sooner we overcome this pandemic, the sooner we can go about building great lives again reestablishing our families. So we've got to do all that we can to encourage vaccinations and to deal with uh, the hangups people have about getting vaccinated. Now, Jim, you are retiring after your term, and we are seeing the race for Hamburg supervisor. What are your thoughts on the uh, the election coming up in November? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a rough and tumble one. Uh, a lot of give and take uh, between the candidates uh, back and forth. But I do think that in the long run, uh, the uh, the positive approach that uh, uh, Randy Hoke has taken will make a difference. Uh, no disrespect to Stefan Mihailo. However, I think he's a bit, just a bit too uh, bombastic and uh, um, irrational to to administer a government uh, the size of the town of Hamburg. What are your uh, plans after November? What what will retirement bring Jim Shaw? <laughs> well, I'm going to do a, I'm going to go back to the law office, do a little bit of work, and I hope that uh, I can get to Florida. I've got two boys down there and grandchildren, and we haven't spent any time with them as a result of the pandemic. So I hope I can spend a little time with them as well. So I'm looking forward to taking care of my family and uh, uh, kicking back a little bit. Well, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk to you, but we do thank you for all your appearances uh, as supervisor. Well, you've been very kind to me. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is Hamburg Supervisor Jim Shaw joining us this morning, giving his uh, his thoughts on incoming Governor Kathy Hochul and also the census, the vaccine, and that upcoming election in November, which, by the way, you know, I was looking up for things to talk to Jim about. 
and I put in Hamburg supervisor election, and the Tampa Bay Spectrum News has an article on Stefan Mahailu running for Hamburg town supervisor. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's just, you know, all the different news sources all go into one site. But I thought that was interesting that that came up. Uh, it is Hardline. And like I said, we had such a busy week. When we come back, we are going to play through how this week came together. The resignation from Governor Andrew Cuomo and a little audio from Kathy Hochul's first press conference uh, after being announced that she will take over as governor of New York. That after this break, it is Hardline. And don't forget, coming up next hour, we are talking to Assemblyman Angelo Morinello and Lynn Linehan. So a full hour after this, it is Hardline on WBEN. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Thank you so much for joining me this Sunday morning. Great to be with you. Just a programming note, uh, Hardline will be taking a one-week hiatus next week. Uh, So we will not be on the air next week, but I promise to bring you a packed show the following week. Uh, So this week, you know what happened. You had the governor resign, and you had Kathy Hochul uh, talk about her plans to take over building an administration. So let's play a few clips from this earlier this week, starting with, with Governor Cuomo's announcement. Our political system today is too often driven by the extremes. Rashness has replaced reasonableness. Loudness has replaced soundness. Twitter has become the public square for policy debate. There is an intelligent discussion to be had on gender-based actions, on generational and cultural behavioral differences, on setting higher standards, and finding reasonable resolutions. But the political environment is too hot, and it is too reactionary for that now. And it is unfortunate. Now, you know me. I'm a New Yorker, born and bred. I am a fighter. And my instinct is to fight through this controversy because I truly believe it is politically motivated. I believe it is unfair and it is untruthful. And I believe it it demonizes behavior that is unsustainable for society. If I could communicate the facts through the frenzy, New Yorkers would understand. I believe that. But when I took my oath as governor, then it changed. I became a fighter, but I became a fighter for you. And it is your best interest that I must serve. This situation, by its current trajectory, will generate months of political and legal controversy. That is what is going to happen. That is how the political wind is blowing. It will consume government. It will cost taxpayers millions of dollars. It will brutalize people. The State Assembly yesterday outlined weeks of process that will then lead to months of litigation. 
time and money that government should spend managing COVID, guarding against the Delta variant, reopening upstate, fighting gun violence, and saving New York City. All that time would be wasted. This is one of the most challenging times for government in a generation. Government really needs to function today. Government needs to perform. It is a matter of life and death government operations. And wasting energy on distractions is the last thing that state government should be doing. And I cannot be the cause of that. New York tough means New York loving. And I love New York. And I love you. And everything I have ever done has been motivated by that love. And I would never want to be unhelpful in any way. And I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you. And doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. That was Governor Cuomo announcing his resignation, effective 14 days from that announcement, which is 10 days from today. Two days later, Kathy Hochul, I'm sorry, one day later, Kathy Hochul took to the podium to talk about uh, her vision, and she was asked questions by the media. Here is some of that. Lieutenant Governor, I want to ask you about this 14-day transition period. Did the governor explain to you why he wanted to wait that long before leaving office, and how do you feel about having to wait that long to take the reins? It's not what I asked for. However, I'm looking forward to a smooth transition, which he promised. He spoke to me about wanting to make sure that the transition uh, to continuity is important, that I have an opportunity to meet uh, the cabinet officials, other people as well. So uh, they viewed it as necessary. Um, I'm prepared to take office, uh, as any lieutenant governor is, from the very first hour you're sworn in as lieutenant governor. However, I will take advantage of that time and to continue to engage with the people of the state of New York. I have a vision, but I'm going to continue to develop that. And at the end of the 14 days, I look forward to coming back uh, to a venue like this and to make sure that we are ready to deal with all the challenges that we face. Morgan McKay from Spectrum. Would you consider pardoning him? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm talking about my vision for the state of New York. It is far too premature to even have those conversations. Governor. I'm going to ask Jose Velasquez from the city. Well, my mom will be probably pronouncing it correctly. Um, Gracias. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, uh, while you were uh, serving in office, you had come out against some driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. In the last couple of years, you have uh, changed your mind. Can you explain to me what the transition has been and also what the last few months have been for you as you've been preparing for the goal? Uh, with respect to the green light law, which is now the law of the state of the land, something that early on in my career as, as a county clerk, uh, I had taken a position that has now evolved, and that evolution coincides with the evolution of many people many people in the state of New York. I'm proud of that law, and if you want to read a, an op-ed that I wrote on it, uh, many people in our state Senate 
would argue that that was a turning point when they read that and saw the position I had taken in support of that law, that our immigrants need that. They need to be able to get to their jobs, and parents need to take their kids to doctor's appointments. And I'm proud of supporting that law, and you can ask anyone my position on that at this time. I think it's clearly understood. The last few months, lieutenant governors continued the work regardless of what's going on around them. And I'm proud that I've been able to maintain the same schedule to meet with elected leaders. Uh, my schedule has been robust. And I'm ready. I want people to know that I'm ready for this. And it's not something we expected or asked for, but I am fully prepared to assume the responsibilities as the 57th governor of the state of New York. Michael Gormley from Newsday. I understand the president was looking to reach me, but I was on a plane earlier this morning, so I cannot confirm that. Uh, I, I confirm I have not spoken, but I know he expressed an interest. I did have a chance to speak to Senator Schumer yesterday, Senator Gillibrand, Hillary Clinton, and countless others. Uh, my position will be to, at this point, recognize that there is one governor for the state of New York at one time, and Governor Cuomo will continue to be the governor for the next 13 days. That does not mean that I'm not fully engaged with the health care partners, uh, the current Commissioner, and we've been getting regular briefings up to the minute, and I'm well aware of the circumstances in our state are, are frightening for people. That is Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. She will be Governor Kathy Hochul August 24th. That is nine days from today. I'm sorry, my math is, I for some reason thought it was still the 14th. Uh, so nine days from today. Kathy Hochul will take over as governor. We are going to the top of the hour news. There is some breaking news out of Afghanistan that we will get from ABC. Local headlines from Alan Harris. And then right back here, we are talking with Assemblyman Angelo Morinello and then former Democrat chair of Erie County, Len Linehan, here on News Radio 930 WBEN Buffalo. It is 11 o'clock. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.